Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. Johnson Wealth and Income Management and Sound Income Strategies, LLC are not associated entities. Johnson Wealth and Income Management is a franchisee of the Retirement Income Store. The Retirement Income Store and Sound Income Strategies, LLC are associated entities. What kind of a retirement plan allows millions of people to lose 30 to 50% of their life savings just as they near retirement? It's a society based on freedom and choice and personal responsibility. There are no guarantees. It's important that people deal with someone to make sure to provide lifetime income. Lifetime income. And now to our story. Welcome to the Capitalized Life and Retirement Program with Matthew Johnson, powered by the Retirement Income Store and brought to you by Johnson Wealth and Income Management. Are you living the life you want? Are you prepared for retirement as you believe you should be? What are your goals for retirement and how are you going to reach them? In the next 30 minutes of today's program, let's explore the principles necessary to live the capitalized life and the retirement of your dreams. Now, here's this week's Capitalized Life and Retirement program with your host, Matthew Johnson. And welcome to today's episode of the Capitalized Life and Retirement Show. I'm your host, Matthew Johnson, president and owner of Johnson Wealth and Income Management, a retirement income store located in Humboldt and Clear Lake, Iowa. Well, it's that time again. It's Saturday morning, and I am so very thankful and very humbled to be able to join you. And I just so appreciate the opportunity that I have every Saturday to do this radio show, to be with you and to talk about topics that are not pushing product, but these are just life things. These are relevant things that all of us as human beings who are on this quest for retirement success, to be able to just come and learn and be able to ask questions and open up that dialogue. And I so thoroughly love it when so many of you are reaching out to us, whether that's the capitalizedlife.com or our website, johnsonwim.com, or you're liking our Facebook page, you're sharing it, you're taking in, asking us questions. All of that interaction is so very important. And, you know, I've always been a big believer when I teach classes, whether it's at a college or on a webinar, that if one of you is thinking that question, I guarantee you that there's many, many others that are wondering the exact same thing. So I appreciate all of you that are you brave souls that reach out and ask those questions. Well, today I am blessed again to have my dear friend, Rhonda Bills. Rhonda is a colleague. She's a close friend and she is my long-term care guru. That's what I call her. She's the one that I go to anytime I have a long-term care question. So, Rhonda, welcome. First, thank you for coming back. I didn't scare you off too much that first time. (laughs) Thank you, Matthew. Great to be back. And I do want to bring up something. So the last time we had this discussion about long-term care on this radio program, you know, you were kind of busting my chops a little bit because I had made a comment. I said, you know, it seems like there's two segments of people that really don't need long-term care It's the person, you know, that is very, very indigent. They just don't have anything, right, for resources to protect. And then there's the extreme wealthy, you know, the independently wealthy. And it was funny. You took a little bit of exception to that. So what did you mean by that? What was your contention there? 
Yeah, I would agree with you for the most part, you're on the right track, but I do want to make a couple little footnotes on those categories. So the indigent people, the people that just simply don't have a lot of assets, you know, typically everybody has something. They have some money in their checking, some money in their savings. So remember Medicaid, Title 19, never ever comes into play until you have exhausted or what we hear is called spend down those resources to a $2,000. So most people will have more than $2,000. Just remember, Medicaid will not come into play until you have exhausted down to $2,000. Then you are eligible to apply for Title 19. When you apply, remember earlier I said it's a minimum of a three-month lag time before those facilities. And by the way, most of Medicaid is paid in a facility. It's even less paid at home. So there are some strategies for those people that realistically, they don't need to be buying a lot of long-term care because it's not going to take much to spend down to that $2,000 level. However, they're not going to receive care and it still puts their families at risk of how they're going to care for mom and dad until those paperworks are done. So we have what we call short-term care strategies that will come in and help get care. Obviously, the premium is a lot less because it's only for a short duration until those Medicaid papers can get filed. You know, that is an extremely good thought. So Now I'm picking up what you're laying down. Like I heard what you said last time, but it really wasn't clicking. So now the light bulb turned on. So I really appreciate you clarifying that for us. So this short-term care that you're talking about. So I presume that you could get, you know, like 90 days of coverage. You could get six months worth. How long can I get that is short-term? The federal definition of short-term care is one year, but you're absolutely correct. I've had some people that we put them on for 90 days because depending on the amount of assets that they had, it wouldn't take too long to qualify for Medicaid, but you can go 30 days, 90 days, a maximum up to a year. And then sometimes we have products that we can get a year of home health care as well. Wow. Very interesting. So Now, you've talked about those that are indigent, okay? So now I feel like you're avoiding my question. Maybe you don't want to bust my chops. I don't know. But let's talk about the wealthy, okay? So why do you maybe take a little bit of exception with what I said, where if you're independently wealthy, you don't need long-term care products? So explain that to me. Share that with me. Yeah. So people that are independently wealthy or have a great amount of assets, you know, if they have a million dollars plus in assets, you know... You're right. They could afford easily a five, $6,000 monthly bill. But most people that have assets that have accumulated that, they typically understand the amount of terminology of leveraging, leveraging your pennies to get dollars. So even though they have the resources, is that really how they want to pay for it when it comes down to it? So People with amount of assets, typically they still want to do something with it. They want to gift it. They want to do charitable obligations. Maybe they want to make sure their kids, maybe it's a legacy that they're passing on. So don't forget with long-term care, the benefits are paid out tax-free. So a lot of my clients will say, I don't need the insurance to pay 100% because remember, if they're dipping into their qualified accounts, Paying 100% of eight, $10,000, fast forward in the future, 15, 20,000, they're going to be paying taxes on those gains. Okay. So they're much more likely to leverage some of their pennies to get some tax free so that they're not dipping 
15, 20,000 out in the future every month and paying taxes on it, maybe only paying for half of it. So they'll leverage to put a small portion of the premium for a tax qualified long-term care policy. So they're not at risk of exposed to paying a hundred percent taxes out of those portfolios. That it makes tremendous sense. So now I understand why you took a little bit of exception because this is more of a tactical strategy, isn't it? And you know, it's interesting that you use the word leverage because I tell the story about how when you think about life insurance, okay, now I know we're talking about long-term care, but just humor me here for just a minute. So life insurance is like a permission slip to spend your money, right? Because there's so many of us that have children, we want to leave a legacy behind, and yet we tend to talk ourselves into always trying to you know, live frugally so that we leave something behind. But when you have life insurance, now you can feel better about spending those dollars because you know that when you die, those dollars are going to be replaced with the tax-free death benefit. Now, how do we leverage our dollars? Well, you know, if we're using pennies, as you said, to get dollars, that's a pretty good deal. We'll do that all day long, right? But what you just said was talking and dealing specifically with taxes. And I love that because that is a tax saving strategy, right? So instead of me personally dipping into my IRA, where I might have to take out, say, on average, $70,000 a year to pay for my long-term care. And that's $70,000 of taxable dollars, right? What if I deferred that responsibility to a long-term care product? And, you know, who knows? Maybe it cost me $5,000 a year. Maybe it cost me $7,000 a year. But isn't that better than spending $70,000? And you're saying that the benefits paid from the long-term care policy are tax-free? Is that what you just said? 100% plus the gains of those inflation benefits. Wow, think about that. So that is why you use the word specifically leveraging the dollars. Now, here's the thing. For you long-term care listeners, and I use that, pardon the pun, long-term mm-hmm. listeners, mm-hmm. you know, the reality is, is that you know I'm a huge proponent of taking and properly allocating your dollars to create interest and dividend income. So let's just discuss this for just a moment because now the juices are getting flowing here, Ron. It's all your fault. So we have a million dollars saved up for retirement and we put, say, half of that money. We put half of that money towards things that are fixed income, whether it's bonds or bond-like instruments, and they're all producing interest and dividends for us. And yeah, it's not as exciting. In fact, it's like watching paint dry, but our principal is just producing this interest and dividend income every single year. And we don't want to spend our principal, right? So what if we invested a portion of our principal? Let's say we have a half million dollars and now it's doing, say, 5%. It's creating $25,000 of interest and dividends. And that could pay for that long-term care policy, right? That could pay for, I know you've called it a deductible period or an elimination (laughs) period where, you know, the long-term care policy might not kick in right away. Right. And so now you've got this income through interest and dividends that would help you pay for the policy premium for that contract. So you now have coverage for that big financial liability if it becomes a reality. And number two, you've got some income to cover, you know, maybe two, three months before the policy actually kicks in. That's a beautiful concept. That's a strategy. I love that. I want to add two comments to that, Matthew. If you do not have a long-term care strategy in place and you are going to self-insure, you are going to dip into your qualified retirement portfolio, when is the day that it's so bad that you're willing to do that? 
I'm telling you, that day does not happen. People put it off because they know if they have to pay for their spouse's care and the other spouse is taking care of them, they will consistently put it off. Today was not that bad. They'll go another day because they know they're going to have to pay for their care out of pocket. And one other thing I'd like to add in here, everything we're talking about, Matthew, is financial. And that's what you do and that's what you do best. But there's another huge component. If you love your family, this is a family issue. It's not just a financial, it's a physical and an emotional. So maybe you have that client with two, three million dollars, but do they want their family dealing with the stress physically to go through this and figure out how to fund it, pay for it and do the work to get them the care? Yeah, you know, the way that my mind is thinking about that, I saw the psychological stress that it had on my mom when my dad was going through what he was going through shortly before he passed away. But in the one minute that we have left, you know, the thing that I'm thinking about is, you know, who wants to deal with the financial stresses? Because this situation is stressful enough as it is emotionally, right? So, you know, after a person loses their spouse, you know, we'll say the woman is the surviving spouse. What do all her friends say? Mildred, do not make any financial decisions, any big financial decisions right now. Why? Because she's not in the right place. She's still, you know, suffering this loss. It's still an emotional train wreck for her. So I think that that's really what you're speaking to. You're saying, yes, this is a financial situation, but it is also a very emotional, very psychological situation as well. And I know how it impacted me when my dad went, because my dad went into that nursing home and that was the same as putting Superman into the nursing home. Like it just broke my heart because he was such a dignified man. And that was the last place that I ever wanted to see him go. And it was because he had to go. He didn't have a choice. Mom could not take care of him any longer at that point. So yeah, I wasn't concerned about the money at that point. I was more concerned about my mom and my mom's welfare. So you're absolutely right. Well, we're out of time. The first half always seems to go so fast, doesn't it? But stick around. We're going to be right back. We're going to continue this discussion with Rhonda Bills. You're listening to the Capitalized Life and Retirement Program with Matthew Johnson, powered by the Retirement Income Store. Investing in the stock market these days is like riding a roller coaster. One minute, you're moving up slow and steady just the way you like it. And then all of a sudden... Your investment portfolio is in a free fall, up 800 points, down 800 points. It can be very scary. A lot of people no longer gamble with their retirement in the stock market. If you are tired of the ride and want to look at safer options or would like to learn a better way to grow your money during these times, call Johnson Wealth and Income Management at 866-290-3837. That's 866-290-3837. And for more information, visit us online at johnsonwim.com. That's johnsonwim.com. After a certain age, you shouldn't be overexposed to stock market risk. Yet, you might still be trying to squeeze every last drop out of today's market. And although fixed income investment can offer less risk than stocks, it doesn't mean you have to sacrifice return. In fact, recently, some fixed income investments have actually outperformed stocks. But yet, you're still waiting to act. To learn more about the Retirement Income Store, call your local Retirement Income Specialist, Matthew Johnson of Johnson Wealth and Income Management 
at 866-290-3837. That's 866-290-3837. The Retirement Income Store, where retirees go for income. Time now for more of the Capitalized Life and Retirement Program with Matthew Johnson, powered by the Retirement Income Store. And welcome back to the Capitalized Life and Retirement Show. I'm your host, Matthew Johnson, president and owner of Johnson Wealth and Income Management, a retirement income store located in Humboldt and Clear Lake, Iowa. Well, today I am here, as many of you know, if you stuck around from the first half of our program, with Rhonda Bills. Rhonda is just a beautiful soul. She's a person I've known for a couple of decades now, and she is who I like to refer to as my long-term care guru. Now, if you're just joining us, we're talking about long-term care. And wait a minute, don't turn the dial. We know that long-term care is very unsavory, and it's certainly something that most of us don't want to talk about. It always has a very negative context, right, surrounding it. But the reality is, is that you shared with me, gosh, weeks ago, that seven out of 10 human beings are probably going to need some sort of long-term care. And that still just blows my mind. Like that statistic hasn't left my mind. I keep thinking about that. And just before we ended in the first half, Rhonda, we were talking about, you know me, as an advisor, as a fiduciary, I want to train people how to take what they've saved for retirement. And when they get to that distribution stage of their life where they've now retired, now we can take that principle, that quarter million, that half million, that million, that million plus, and we can turn it into income for them through interest and dividends. Not selling shares, not engineering income, but creating real income off from interest and dividends. And I said, think about that. You know, you brought up the point where the wealthy will use long-term care as a way to save their own resources and save themselves on taxes. Now, that is beautiful. That is a beautiful design because, yeah, even if I had the resources, why do I want to take $70,000 and pay taxes on it when I could take out $5,000 and pay a premium, right? So that saves me a tremendous amount of money in taxation. So I get that. But since we're on the topic of funding and we know that long-term care can be expensive, and as we've discussed before, it's all based upon, you know, your health and your ability. Remember, Life insurance companies are afraid of you dying. Long-term care companies are afraid of you living, right? It's the exact opposite, right? So how do we fund a long-term care policy? Make it real, make it basic so that we understand how is it if I want to get one of these that I can fund it? Exactly. Great question. And that's what's really fun. We can be creative. We have lots of options. I always tell people one's not right, one's not wrong. It's what's going to work best for you. So I always say, you know, I'm not a cookie cutter shop. I'm a boutique. We're going to custom design this for you. So number one, the traditional way of paying long-term care, you pay that annual premium every year, once a year until you go on claim, until you need it. That still is probably the majority of how people choose to pay their premium. That being said, I have several people that are in their 50s. They're in their height of their working years. They got the kids out of college. They're willing to pay a higher premium for 10 years. So that way, when they turn age 65 and they do retire, they have a fully paid up long-term care policy available to them. They just don't have to make that additional premium in their retirement years. So we still have that as an option. So you can, number one, we could do the premium every year as you go. You could do a paid up premium in 10 years, sometimes age 65, depending on your age. 
We also have the single premium where you just do a one-time lump sum single premium and you are done. I have clients that do that. Typically, you will have the most options there using non-qualified dollars. You've got some money sitting in a CD, money market, checking, savings. Maybe it's a non-qualified account that they can access that um, single premium amount. We do have some strategies where I have people that are 67, they're retiring. And where is the bulk of their retirement portfolio, but in that qualified 401k account? And they know if they have a long-term carry bet, Matthew, where is it going to come from? Mm -hmm. It's going to come from that 401k. Mm -hmm. So what they do, we'll go back to that leveraging term, they'll leverage, they'll use a portion of that 401k dollar to move it over as a single lump sum that will yield them a tax-free benefit with that inflation growth into their retirement years. Wow. So we can take assets that we have saved for retirement. And if we've been a good saver, maybe we've saved a little bit more. We've been you know, more aggressive and we've grown our dollars. And so not to say that we have an excess, because that's usually not the case. We don't have too many people that have an excess of savings. But if we know that we could use some of those dollars to fund a long-term care policy, that's a very clever, creative way of doing it. Now, I'm going to play the devil's advocate. You ready for this one? I'm going I'm to ready. throw a curveball at you, okay. okay? What happens, Rhonda? Let's say that I do that. I've got my 401k. I've been a good saver. The house is paid for. The kids are out of the house. And I realize between my Social Security, my investment income, maybe my pension, my rental income, whatever, that I'm going to have enough income. I'm going to be doing well. And I want to be able to fund this long-term care policy. Now, Maybe you've come across this objection, but what happens if I move my money from my 401k into that long-term care policy and then I don't ever use it? Okay. We have different strategies. So number one, with this couple, exact same scenario. They didn't mind. They didn't need the insurance to pay 100%. They had the insurance paying the first $5,000 a month. And if the bill was seven, eight, they felt they could co-share the difference. So they moved a lump sum of money over from their 401k account into a single premium long-term care product. And what that will do is he can share it with his spouse. So they have this pool of money for long-term care. If one spouse passes away, it'll still remain that pool for long-term care for the surviving spouse. Now going to, to your question, what if they both pass away and don't use it? Well, there's still those monies available to their designated beneficiary. Wow. So you're telling me that they will actually pass on then to a beneficiary? That is correct. Wow. That is very interesting. That really helps alleviate a lot of some of the objection then, doesn't it? Because that's been one of the hanging chads that I think has always kind of been in the mind of the person. Well, I don't want to pay for something like this and never use it. Now, the funny part of that, Rhonda, is that you and I as human beings, we pay for things all the time that we don't use. Like I have homeowner's insurance, but you know, chances are my house isn't going to burn to the ground, right? Or you know, I'm a good driver, right? So I might drive my entire lifetime and never have an accident, but I still have the insurance. And so this is the reason I want to hearken back to that statistic you gave me. This isn't about the house and having, you know, the shingles damaged by a branch falling out of the tree. This is seven out of 10 people potentially needing long-term care in the future. And with odds like that, that's odds I really don't want to mess with. That's odds I don't want to guess at. I would rather be proactive. I'd rather take and do something like this. Now, 
I know that we've only got a few minutes left, but I want you to talk about life insurance with long-term mm-hmm. care. That's been something that's kind of been popping up on the radar. It's called a hybrid. Mm-hmm. Tell us, what does that mean, and is there different types or styles? Correct. So here's another really good example. I had a gal who lived out on the East Coast in New Jersey. Cost of care is easily starting out today, $10,000, $12,000 a month. We were trying to solve for a benefit for $8,000 a month. She was divorced and she had no kids and she was rightfully so worried about long-term care, Matthew. And she said, Rhonda, I've got this life insurance policy. Do I even need it anymore? Well, I asked her if it had some cash value in it and it did. She had about $50,000. So what we were able to do, Matthew, is we were able to take $50,000 out of this life insurance policy that she didn't need anymore. We repositioned that asset. It provided her a lump sum policy that would yield her $4,000 a month for her long-term care for three years tax-free. We were able to roll that over. Then what we did was we bought her another pay-as-you-go policy to build her up another 4,000 monthly benefit because that's what we were solving for. She was worried if she could afford the premium for 8,000, but what we were able to do is take that asset she no longer need from life insurance, move it over, it bought her 4,000, so now we only had to pay a 4,000 benefit and that fit her budget. Did she really need the life insurance? Because as you said, it's a hybrid policy because that lump sum moving it from the cash value over, it still provides her a death benefit if she never uses it. Did she really need it? No, but it was about funding. That is a very, very practical strategy. I like that. So this is really about, you know, you, you made the comment cookie cutter, right? So this is what I do with my clients as fiduciaries. Every single one of my clients is different. Yes, there may be some similarities from client to client, but every person's worked a different kind of a job, earned a different kind of an income. They have a different outlay of bills when they retire. And this is what working with a fiduciary should look like. A person who's really taking the time to discover what the assets are so that you can potentially use some of those assets that aren't really as positioned as suitably today as they used to be. So in other words, you know, back in the day when she bought that life insurance policy, you know, she, the kids were probably younger, obviously she was a spouse. And so now the kids are grown. She's obviously divorced and it's an asset that, yeah, it's still an asset, but you leverage that asset by finding a unique and creative way of taking the cash value from that life insurance policy and using it to answer her fears. The things that she was concerned about, which was, you know, can I afford an $8,000 a month policy? And so you you literally like cut that fear in half by just utilizing and repositioning those dollars. So I really like that. It's interesting. So how many of us, how many of you listening to this show, you know, you start thinking about life insurance and, you know, life insurance is one of those things we buy it, you know, when we were younger, we buy it for you know, a different reason. And before you know it, over the course of time, sometimes those things have developed a cash value. We forgot that we even had them. So I really encourage you, pull them out of the safe, right? Pull them out of the drawer, the filing cabinet, blow the dust off from them, take a look at them because they could be a very valuable asset in order to use for addressing this issue of long-term care. And if you have the ability of cash value, that's going to be money that you've already accumulated that you can use. You don't have to use new money 
to fund this long-term care coverage. You could use old money that's already in your portfolio. You just didn't even know it because you didn't realize it. Rhonda, again, it's such a pleasure to have you here. I just so appreciate all the different the stories and the insight that is so important. You know, this long-term care topic is becoming ever more of a present issue today because the baby boomers, as they're called, they're aging, they're getting older. They've dealt with long-term care with their parents. And even though they really won't talk about it, they're afraid. Even though they won't talk about it, they have concerns. And it is unsavory to talk about, but it's still nonetheless something that's important to address. And I think that that's really the reason I enjoy working with you because this is the banner that you wave every day to make this front and center, something that you do address, something that you do talk about. And you talk about it not only amongst you know yourself and your client, but it's a family issue, right? And that's the reason that you're trying to bring attention to this. So thank you again for joining us. I appreciate it. And thank you, the listener, for being a part of today's show. And it's just such a pleasure to be able to do this for you. I encourage all of you as listeners, if you have questions, please go to our website, www.johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, W-I-M stands for Wealth Income Management, dot com, and post your question to us. Reach out to us. Let us know what kind of topics you'd like to hear us discuss on each episode every Saturday morning. And remember, in closing, it is up to you to make today a great day. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Matthew Johnson. That's all the time we have for today. To schedule 15 minutes with Matthew off the air, call 866-290-3837. That's 866-290-3837. And for more information, visit us online at johnsonwim.com. That's johnsonwim.com. We will be back again next week at this same time for another Capitalized Life and Retirement Program with Matthew Johnson.